God, right as you picked up Franklin like emerged from under the bed and just was blinking at me like how dare you wake me up <laughs> how you doing um you know <laughs> fine yeah that doesn't sound fine <laughs> no I think it's just like all the transition and like sleeping on a cot in an empty apartment for a week and like not having time to fix anything oh yeah i was gonna say we have a lot of life updates i feel like yeah you got a job i got a kitten yeah a lot going on i actually got uh sort of uh i don't know to call it a promotion in my job but we i just got asked to go full-time i was doing 30 hours a week and now I'm, uh, yeah, they asked me to go full-time, which I'm so excited about. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty great. We're, like, about to go on tour, too, which is super fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And my little kitten. Oh, yeah. I rescued a, uh, a little tiny black Halloween kitten. Well, I rescued John Spotted. We were, like, <laughs> wa- well, he was walking to, what, like, a local, just, like, a coffee bean or something like that down the street. And he came, like, running back and, like, grabbed all the, like, cat carrier and, like, everything. And he was like, there's a cat! And so I was like, well, I'm obviously coming with you. So, like, I grabbed the, like, treats and food and things. And it took us two nights. The first night we were so sad because we, like, couldn't grab him. So we were like, oh, I guess we just fed him. And we, like, made the mistake of, like, we tried to lure him out with food. And then we just, like, ended up feeding him so much that he would grab the food and run. (laughs) So we were like, (laughs) we're not smart at this. Um yeah, so we got him on the second day. I made a really victorious grab of him. I, like, lured him. I finally learned. I had sardines that someone had uh, gotten for us. Just a passerby, which was, like, really sweet. And so I, like, lured him out of this, like... He was in the, like, the locked gate of a closed car garage. And, uh, yeah, I just lured him out, and I grabbed him. And his little little legs were flailing everywhere, and I felt so bad. I just, like, clamped oh. to my chest and... And then John said repeatedly that we can't have three cats. And I said repeatedly, let's not talk about it. And now we have three cats. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, he's so cute. His name is Shadow. Aww. He's my little Halloween cat. Yeah. Tell me about your job. Um, so I moved to Baltimore. Got a position as an anti-hunger advocate. Woo-woo. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's been a slow, slow and trying move process. Um, I didn't have an apartment for the first couple of days, so I was doing a two-hour commute um, back and forth between Baltimore and Northern Virginia, and I haven't slept since. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm definitely getting sick, so it's catching up to me. I was going to say, I can hear something. I can't tell if it's just tiredness or sickness. There's, like, something lurking. (laughs) It's definitely both. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. It's not going to be a pleasant-sounding podcast this time. (laughs) 
Oh, well, I hope Quillerin and Coco and their high living helped. Yeah, for sure. Well, welcome back to Paranormal Captivity. I guess we forgot to say that. This is also our first recording since we actually launched the podcast. So that's been really cool. And oh my God, thank you to everyone who's been listening, which has been so cool. Like, I think we just kind of were recording and working ahead and doing a lot of stuff in a bubble and then to like actually post it and then see people. Oh my God, there was someone within like, it was within the like 12 hours of posting had sent us a message on Instagram and was like, here's my wine and here I am listening to the podcast with my two Siamese cats. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) was so cool so thank you everyone that's been really awesome and I still am way behind on editing but we do still have two other episodes well you'll have heard them by now so I guess I don't need to say that but we do have um, social media up and running too Um, we are paranormal captivity pod on Instagram and on Twitter we are paranormal pod so yeah go give us a follow we mostly post pictures of our cats um and also some random halloweeny things because we do i assume i'll be doing that all year long so (laughs) if you like halloween things come find us yeah so we did okay so yeah so you'll have heard i have not edited yet but by the time you hear this i will have edited our two-part series on uh cat who talked to ghosts which was super fun and was you know maybe still my favorite of the books so far and then we'll have also released a Halloween episode for Sabrina mm-hmm. and Salem. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Halloween. Um, hope you guys liked those. This is, I guess we're recording this, what day is it? October 17th? So yeah, it'll still be a ways before you hear this. So we're speaking to you from the past. Um, but we are currently reading The Cat Who Lived High, which obviously I was truly hoping that one of the cats sniffed some catnip, but... No, it means that they are living in a tall building. <laughs> there is it's a little more literal. Yeah, I mean there there are some some strong mushroom cameos, but I don't think That's true. I don't think that has a, anything to do with like the fun kind of mushroom. No, I think you're right, and I don't know that the mushrooms are really gonna I think that's just kind of a random aside I mean she's, but I do think she's going pretty hard on the mushroom commentary she is it's fairly true I thought it was the um the knives that would factor more because it's always like mushrooms and knives paintings together but yeah you're right like why would there be such mushroom maybe we'll get a reason mm-hmm. I'm not sure apparently they're erotic oh that's right <laughs> They're sensual, someone said. And someone said it in the way of like, oh, they're obviously sensual. And I was yeah, like, duh. I don't know that I find that obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will have to learn. <laughs> About the sensual wonders of mushrooms. <laughs> mushrooms and knives together. Yeah, maybe it's the pairing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this, this. Because it's a specific knife, too. It's a japanese like boning knife so oh, maybe it's really? a specific Why would you pairing. use that with a mushroom i don't know well that's when they brought up like whoever it was was saying like you know well obviously we all understand the like pleasure of chopping a ripe mushroom oh, and it was like that was our, I don't... our good friend mr mouse oh that's right our friend mr mouse yeah so guys this book 
is just a throwback to the cat who saw red because Quillerin has um, left the the confines of his. <laughs> Sorry, I have to... <laughs> are you wearing like jingle bells? <laughs> oh my god, are you hearing jingling? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what is jingling? Jingle bells. Can you hear them now? No. Are you wearing like a lot of bracelets? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Jingly earrings. Oh, I I heard that. Oh, you yeah. did. That that was. Yeah. I can never move again. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely some sort of like jingly something going on in the background. <laughs> Are you moving when you talk? Do you have a cat toy? I. I'm literally sitting as still as I could possibly be. And I even like moved my rings off of the same hand so they wouldn't clink. I don't know. Uh, we're having tactical difficulties. Phantom jingling. Phantom <laughs> jingling. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is just like an echo or something. Maybe it's an echo in my apartment. Are you wearing like a Bluetooth something or other? Yeah, I usually do it with my headphones in, yeah. so I was just wondering if my headphones were, like, clicking onto my... But I only have these, like, tiny studs in. Oh, maybe it's, like, rubbing against your shirt? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay, maybe I'll... Hang on, let me change shirts real fast. <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I wonder if it is? I um just got this brand fucking new shirt uh-huh. at... um I finally... Oh, so... Okay, so this is fun. Actually, hang on. Let me actually change my shirt real fast. Okay, I'm back. Um, That was great. So (laughs) Julie just made me change my shirt because there was a jingling sound that we're still not sure what it was. But I was going to say that I am my, I mean, I don't know how this could possibly be it, but I did just get a new shirt that is like, it definitely like smells new and like, I don't know, maybe there's some like starchiness to it or something that was hitting on the microphone. Hmm. But it's, uh, I finally got my Halloween shirt from the Iliad from my local youth bookstore bookstore that I've been asking about. I literally asked them in August and they looked at me like I was crazy, but also like really appreciative. They were like, no, we're not doing that yet, (laughs) basically. And I've been asking ever since. And I finally went in and got it. And it is as awesome as I expected. It even has a cat. I'll post it on our social media. It even has on the top this like really creepy like halloweeny cat mm. um type person too oh it's just so cool but i shan't be wearing it right now because it creates the jingles yeah. <laughs> i mean i still hear it like a little bit do you really just like a little, oh my just God. Like a little okay so it wasn't the shirt then <laughs> no but it was some sort of microphone chafing <laughs> okay can you hear it now i'm holding the microphone so specifically no it's okay if you do (laughs) no i think it's fine okay i'm just gonna hold the microphone suspended in front of my face (laughs) and give me a little uh little toot toot if you if you do hear it i don't know why toot toot but no, but I heard a couple of clicks. <laughs> oh no! Maybe you're just hearing things. <laughs> Maybe you're having a fever dream. Maybe we're not even recording right now. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> All right, so this is the episode of Julia's Delirium. <laughs> 
This is Julia's this is fever the episode dream episode. Where I live high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, are you on anything currently? <laughs> Hi. Just bacteria, cold meds. No sleep. <laughs> Oh, that's its own its own form of high, although way less fun, I would argue. <laughs> uh, but I did buy some pumpkin pie ice cream, so that made me feel better. Oh, that would definitely, yeah, that is that is a high. I'm also living catless right now, so uh, I can't be. Um, I don't know what's the phrase held accountable for my happy. <laughs> happy uh held accountable for my actions for my <laughs> what are your cats your like chaperones <laughs> held accountable for my mood swings <laughs> mm, mm. sure sure yeah that makes more sense yes you're you're in an emotional imbalance because you don't have your full uh your full family with you it's true I'm just gonna be whining okay. this whole episode because I'm so unhappy <laughs> with my current. I was gonna say maybe we should steer the conversation away from your life. <laughs> um, and you know what else I could talk about? You know what else I got hmm. today? I had a great day. I got my cool promotion. Ooh. I got my cool shirt. I also got pretty much any time if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling up as you know some uh, like a pick-me-up also as like a celebration i go to the 99 cent store halloween section and i buy myself tiny little halloween treats and today they had the coolest fucking tumblers so i have this like glittery graveyardy tumblers like seen on on a tumbler um that i'm drinking out of right now too which is really great sounds like fun so i'm living high myself nice yeah, and I feel like we're also both pretty fresh on this book right now because I think we both just blasted through <laughs> the first half. Yeah, so we're reading the first half. Of, this is part one of The Cat Who Lived High, to be more specific. Um, it's about the same size as the, um, the Cat Who Talked to Ghosts. And as we learned <laughs> from uh, that series, trying to do one book in uh, one episode made for a very long and convoluted episode. So we broke it in half. So yeah, this is part one. And actually, this is going to be fun because we haven't even read the second half yet. So we don't even know what happens after this. We're, this we're not even truly... sure what the mystery is yet. <laughs> I, know. I was going to say this. This book is like truly, I was just going to say like so not confounding in the way of the cat who knew Shakespeare, but confounding in that like if you ask me to guess what happened after this, I mean, I couldn't even guess what happened in the next, ch- what happens in the next <laughs> chapter after where I stopped, because it just truly is out of left field. Like, all of it is just, although I really, I am really enjoying it, too. Like, I, I think I like this one, not quite as much as The Cat Who Talked to Ghosts, but definitely more than The Cat Who Knew Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, Everyone can skip The Cat Who Knew Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're sorry we read that and didn't know Hamlet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want, like, a nice little, you know, get to know Mrs. Cobb before she dies, then go for it. Oh, that's true. Right. It's true. It did make that a lot, a lot more, um, a whole lot more hitting. Yeah, also, <laughs> if you want to read The Cat Who Talked to Ghost without being sad that a favorite character is dead then you should probably not read the cat who knew shakespeare that's a a a good point as well well should we get into it sure 
All right. You know, it's funny because I even told myself earlier, I was like, don't mention that it's like fresh in your mind because then you're going to have to actually live up to remembering everything that happened. And oh, I... no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the first thing that happens is something that I am going to give Lillian Jackson Braun full points for because Quillerin may or may not be dead. And I assuming I'm assuming he's not. Oh, yeah. But what a little red herring from the very fucking beginning. Like that just I read that and was like, whoa, Lillian Jackson Braun is pulling out some some uh literary chops here some like tropes that are like really fun like i'm i'm assuming that we get towards the end of the book i mean i i don't know for a fact that quillerin is in the next like 25 of these books (laughs) (laughs) that we haven't read yet so exactly yeah so we right because that's the thing too so the book opens the first like chapter which is kind of short or like the first segment of the first chapter is basically just everyone in pickaxe reacting to the news that Quillerin has been in a car accident and has been shot and declared dead down below. So if we'll remember from the cat who talked to ghosts at the very end, um, Quillerin gets a phone call and then just like looks at the cats and is like, we're moving to a high rise cats. And the cats disappear because they're cats and they don't want to move. Um, and Quillerin moves them every fucking book. <laughs> it's true. My cats so can every- relate. I know. I actually was thinking that in this book that your cats, that this book is specifically like your version. Like this is probably the closest to your life these books will get. Yeah, except my cats are not. They're real cute, but they're not smart. (laughs) (laughs) Ari is. Ari's a smart cookie, but they're they're no they're no crime solvers. (laughs) Well, but as we've also mentioned. Yum yum isn't really either because patriarchy. It's patriarchy, which is funny because in my cat life, it is Ari who is the smartest, and my two male cats are just—they're just dumb as rocks. <laughs> well, dumb and because I feel like Chuni is dumb in like an annoying everyone and everything way, he's dumb and in Mushu... an endearing way. Yes, he's very endearing. Yeah. And Mushu is Mushu's just like just afraid terrified. of everything. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. There's no way to gauge Mushu's intelligence because he's just pure. He's just got the look of pure terror on his face all the time. He does. Poor little guy. He <laughs> might be really guy. smart. He might just understand that the world is very scary. The world is and scary be like, It really is. I mean, yeah. ugh, he's just a step ahead of the rest of us. Maybe. But I, I will say... For this book i do kind of hate you know in tv shows sometimes they start out with like something really shocking like that and then they go to like 24 hours beforehand that's or, true like, 48 hours before or earlier i kind of hate that i mean it totally did that <laughs> it a hundred percent did that and i think i have to gauge my excitement for it because I too hate when that happens in TV shows Uh and it truly is only because we've read the likes of the cat who knew Shakespeare and have been so confounded. And this, I think I recognize, even if I don't love it in TV shows, I see it and I'm like, Oh, you're doing a thing. I see you're you're doing doing a thing. Look at you. Look at what you're doing. Look at it. And to be, I see it to be completely fair back when this book came out, maybe it was a new thing. That's true, although I'm not going to, I don't think we should suggest that Lillian Jackson Braun started that. <laughs> no, but like maybe she saw it once and was like, oh, that's new. I should do that too. 
That's you true. know, like That's maybe true. she was like not like super ahead of the curve, but maybe she was like right on with it. That's true. Maybe she was on the curve. On the curve. That's a good point. Yeah. We have uh, already posited that she has, and now that we keep bringing up the cat who knew Shakespeare, but in the same way that Ten Things I Hate About You was on trend in the you know, taking Shakespeare and repurposing it. Mm-hmm. You know, she was on that trend. She could easily have been on the 48 hours earlier trend. Although this rewinds a little bit farther, I think, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he moved, I don't know, what are we on? Chapter like nine or 10. And he's been there for at least a few days. Yeah, and that's right. We've yeah. seen no danger in sight. Well, actually, that's not true. Well, we've seen we lots know. of danger in sight. <laughs> we see so much hysterical danger in in the same way that okay so in the same way that so we're starting to see some like formulas come out a little bit so like each book kind of has a similar breakdown and like in the same way that uh I think it was it the cat who knew Shakespeare had the weather report or was that the cat who talked to ghosts um I oh no that was the cat who knew Shakespeare okay so like that book each chapter was very sort of subtle but each chapter started with a weather report and then the the joke being that the newscasters would be like oh and the big one the big storm is going to come and then it didn't until the very end until Quillard almost died Mm -hmm. in the blinding snow but this is similar in that it seems like almost every chapter there's a there's a portion where Quillerin is either watching the news or reading the paper or something. And there's, it's actually like kind of funny in the juxtaposition of it where she's like, where Lillian Jackson Brown writes it in the way of it being like, just like a deluge of like terrible crimes. And then at the end being like, the weather will be chilly today (laughs) or like snow suggest or snow um, expected. And uh, it's just so clearly like, I don't know if she ever lived in cities, but there's definitely, like, the hugest theme in this of, like, no one in Moose County wants Quillerin to move yeah. down below. They all immediately think he's going to get murdered. She, and then She definitely, like, holds tight to those stereotypes that she believes in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And then, like, writes them out, like, fleshes them out and gives them life. Yeah, because like, in the same it's... way that she writes women, she's, you know, stereotyping them as, you know certain ways she's doing the same thing i think to cities and specifically what seems like the rougher parts of cities yeah <laughs> is, yeah is this place, does this even have like a nice part of the city because it sounds like she's just like no there's murders everywhere <laughs> no one can murder be trusted. everyone will mo- rob you well and it's interesting too because i mean they do talk about different locations so specifically right now we are in a a, either it's unclear if it's a city or a neighborhood called junk town Mm -hmm. which tells you quite a lot about what she thinks goes on there but it's also sort of unclear so we are back with some of the characters that we met in the cat who saw red so robert mouse Uh who was the proprietor of mouse house Uh the artist colony is back well he's not i haven't met him yet but he is back. I don't think he's actually come back yet. No, Julia, he's, Julia's a chapter ahead of he's me. He's not back, but his name is back in the form of he started a restaurant. And his name is back because he just changed it to Roberto because he went to Italy mm-hmm. and learned Italian cuisine. And so he has come back and started a restaurant called Roberto's. And not only that, but insists that people also call him Roberto as well. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so then that brought up the question. I'm glad we're talking about location because I did mean to bring up with you that. Oh my God, sorry. I think my cats are getting into the dishes. Hang on. Can you not do that? Excuse you. Excuse you, you little monster. So yeah, no, I'm so I'm glad that we're talking about location because it brought up for me too that like now that we're back with some of the older characters and he's talking about, you know, it's been three years since he's seen them. And then, you know, that now that he's back and they're back and whatever. And at one point he even says that he is by his old, you know, quote unquote old haunt, which I don't think he means Mouse House. I think he means the apartment that he moved to Mouse House from. Yeah, um, because he pa- he also passes his like his old newspaper and his little, one of his old hangouts and where he used to eat corned beef sandwiches with Arch, right? Oh, right. Yeah, Arch Riker. Yeah, the press club. Yeah. Yeah, so he's very much in a neighborhood that we have seen before in these other books. I just don't remember it ever being described this way. (laughs) No, no, it sounds so different. And actually, to be honest, there are so many parts of it that remind me of L.A., even though I know it's not L.A., but, like, I'm kind of reading it as that now. Oh, for sure. I mean, it could be anywhere USA. I mean, every city has bad parts. I'm also reading it being like, uh, Baltimore. <laughs> I know. We're all, we're just superimposing where we are into it. And maybe that's the beauty of it. Maybe she leaves it open enough that, you know, you read things like smog and, and, uh, hard parking and you're like, yep, I relate. Um, but yeah, so we are back in that same vicinity as, um, the cat who saw red. Um, okay, so, so right, so we do the 48-hour rewind. Well, no, it's not 48 hours, but it's more than that. Yeah. And then we go back to, I thought it was so funny. So, like, remember at the end of the Cat Who Talked to Ghosts mm-hmm. and the, that conversation that we hear, we only hear it from Quiller inside. We don't know who he's talking to, but he just, yeah. like, immediately agrees. And then we right. get the full conversation in this book, and it is much longer. <laughs> it is very much so longer. And also, like, a person that might have come up in previous books that we didn't read but I was like oh I don't know this person (laughs) yeah like I I don't know from the cat who talked to ghost I was kind of expecting it to be someone that we would have known or recognized but you know we get to this book and he he opens it up or uh, she opens it up and he's talking to this this woman that he's obviously met before and even Quillerin is thinking back to like, okay, which one is this? Like, which woman is yeah. this that I met before? So it's just and to, kind of this like random lady. To be fair, though, I actually, someone just tweeted to me today saying that, so the first, first, first book of the Cat Who series is called The Cat Who Walked Backwards, I think. Oh, shoot. Hang on. Let me look it up. The Cat Who Read Backwards is the very first one. Oh. And, um... Candy, who tweeted it to me, said that it tells you how Quill got Coco. So I think we should do an origin story. At one point, I read that one. Origin story. Um, Yeah. I think once we, like, get far enough into them and then we can, like, look back and be like, how did this all start? How did it begin? We'll have a big rewind episode. But to be fair, it could be in that book that Amberina is her name, which is not a name I have ever heard before. No. Um, But... This book is also making quite the the comments on people's names. It is. And it's so funny. Being very judgy. So fucking judgy when even at the the very first time Quillerin does that. So it's all through Quill- Quillerin's like mind. And he's like, so he's down in, you know, down below and he's meeting all these new people and seeing all, 
all the you know the same way that you go back someplace that you haven't been for a while or even like a high school or something like that and you're like oh my god these kids so he's going back to like the press club and the newspaper and doesn't really recognize anyone anymore and now is like so fucking grumpy about how everyone's names are crazy now with the first time he does it he there's even like a little parentheses that like is clearly from Lillian Jackson Braun because it says that Quilleran doesn't even realize this and it was like even not even realizing that like like he's being grumpy not even realizing that his own name is so fucking weird like Quilleran and he even has said numerous times I think even in this book that um like typesetters because his career started when newspaper was still set with you know the actual type blocks and he even said in this book I think that typesetters were always like really mad about his name because they had it wasn't like a normal combination they had to like go to different places to grab the blocks to put them together so he's being very judgy for a very hypocritical reason (laughs) so we have this conversation with Amberina Amberina has a proposition for Quillerin which I think he hastily takes um, because he's also been you know especially with the newspaper we saw that in um, The Cat Who Knew Shakespeare that Quillerin didn't want the Klingenschgon fund the um, fund that he has all of his inherited money in Um, He, like, didn't want them to buy the newspaper, so he's, like, kind of weird sometimes about his inheritance. Um, Ambrina suggests that Quillerin's inheritance fund, the Klingenschgon fund, should come down below. Well, he should come down below and investigate this really big, like, high-rise. Well, I guess 14, 13 stories. I guess that's, like, Mm -hmm. high-rise-ish. But this apartment. Yeah, mid-rise. Um, this apartment building that is really historic and is about to be torn down. And there were a couple, I thought, Harry Potter-ish references. There was one I can't remember. And then the other one is that there's an association that is like, you know, to save the, um, my God, what is it even called? I forget what the place is even called now. I I was trying to remember that too and absolutely could not even. The Casablanca. Oh, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so the Casablanca is the apartment building and it's old and historic and there's an association to save the Casablanca and I can't remember the exact acronyms, but it basically spells out SOC, which I immediately went to spew that Hermione started and also SOC's free elves. So there were just a lot of connections there for me, Harry Potter-ish, and then (laughs) nothing else Harry Potter happened. Um, because then immediately Quillerin, so he, he is like, well, I don't know, I'll be really like grudging about this and we'll see but he's like also immediately like telling everyone that he's gonna do it and like moves down there with the cats um apparently it's like a couple thousand mile drive so he takes two days to drive it with the cats in the back of the car um no it was a 400 mile drive which you can totally do in one day oh yeah you definitely can it was only 400 miles yeah it was only 400 miles i remember being judgy when i read that because i was like i drove twice that when i was driving <laughs> with mojo <laughs> i didn't stop it but to be fair quillerin does leave his cats in the crates in the car i just let mine run amok i know he did and they're in the same carrier he like guys alert quillerin actually bought a cat carrier they are not in the wicker <laughs> basket anymore um that was a big step I felt like for him um but they are in the same carrier he bought like a big carrier and they're like together in it which I don't know that I would do I mean I don't know maybe it's not bad but no I was real judgy about him moving his cats because first of all he broke up a 400 mile drive into two days and then when he got to the Casablanca he just like 
put his cats in the room in the carrier and was like, they'll be fine. I'll let them out later. And then left. <laughs> yeah, I know. But to be fair, it's it like, was for a caring reason. He was like, he wanted to check everything to make sure they couldn't get out or like escape because he loves them so much. Yeah, but that's like the first thing I do. I'm like, um, I'm sorry. Everyone can hold their fucking horses. I'm going to let my cats <laughs> out first. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, especially after two days of driving. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, because he also said two, like, wind... half days of drive. Two, like, not even half days. You could drive <laughs> 200 miles in, like, I don't know, like, three or four hours. Like, but three then... hours. But he does say, I can't remember what the speed limit was, but or what the top speed was, but at one point he did say that either Coco or Yum Yum, one of them would, like, start screeching if he went over a certain speed. Okay, so yeah, 50 miles an hour. He still could have gotten there in eight hours. Yeah, I mean, he should have done it one day. Full show. But Full show. he did not. He also stayed at a sketchy motel that he was also very grum- grumbling about. He was usual. About. He's, which is funny, though, because once he gets to the Casablanca, he, like, sees it and is like, ew, it looks like a refrigerator. I hate it. And, <laughs> and which is like, okay, then turn around. Go, go home. You don't have to do this. This is all very much your choice. You could just say, fuck this whole endeavor. And then every... He literally gets stuck in an elevator and then he wraps a cord around the... Oh, God. I think he's licking the bowl again. Shadow, God damn it. You monster. I just gave you so much food. But it's not leftover people food. Truly not. So the other day, this is like a total aside about cats and food. The other Mm -hmm. day I got home. It was right after my first day at work and we had a big conference and we had so many leftover meatballs and chicken wings that everyone was sent home with, like, a massive container of meatballs and chicken wings. Uh-huh. So I went back home and drove, like, two hours, and I was, like, so tired and so cranky. So I pull up in the driveway, and I open the door, and I'm, like, grabbing all my things out. And Chuni comes, like, running out of no. He, like, sprints to the car. And I was like, oh, my little buddy's home to greet me. Aww. And he, like, zooms past me and just, like, beelines, <laughs> jumps into the car and immediately starts pawing at the crate of meatballs <laughs> and chicken wings. And I was like, did you smell that from, like, across the yard? <laughs> probably trash cat knows trash cat knows for sure yeah he ate like three chicken wings that night <laughs> oh my god that is pr- the most you are actually turning into quilleran because that is the most quilleran thing i've ever heard and like he'd be saying it in the same way of like grumble grumble my cats don't love me they only love my food <laughs> and there is, so maybe i am quilleran <laughs> <laughs> Julia Quillerin. <laughs> you even have the J. You would have the same monogram. Oh, J Quillerin. J Quillerin. I'm making you a name tag that says J Quillerin. There's yep. nothing you can do about it now. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad he's a, a bachelor for life. It would never work out. Well, no, I'm not suggesting that you would be together because I would never wish that on anyone. <laughs> I'm suggesting you are him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just the, the reincarnated lady version, equally as cranky, yes. <laughs> equally as yes, single. Exactly. Oh my god, you are super cranky today. You're just hitting a lot of quiller on points right now. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. Oh, oh man. no, I gotta grow in a mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta work on that. Yeah, it has twitched a few times this book already. 
Yes. You know, I actually realized when I was editing The Cat Who Knew Shakespeare, I had mentioned that I had a theory. Sorry if you can hear that mouse squeaking I in the background. I did hear that mouse squeaking. <laughs> okay, great. That's Shadow. I would rather him do that than lick the leftovers out of the, the dishes. Um, but that was a theory that I had, I've had since, I think, the first book that his Quillerin's mustache or I think I said it in a stupider way but then you were like no it's actually that his those are his whiskers and I was like oh yeah that makes so much more sense but yeah his like he just has so many like or he's starting to have so many cat traits I'm noticing that like I think Lillian Jackson Braun is like kind of equating him to a cat in a way that I think is really funny because like anytime there's any kind of like danger or anything or like suspicion in particular about like whatever's happening his like little whiskers twitch he's like he like strokes his mustache or like his mustache quivers or some some such uh you know something like that or he pounds um, his mustache oh he pounds his mustache in grief yes like when iris cobb died yeah r.i.p don't over it no i'm i don't think i'll ever be over it um Oh my god, okay. So where are I'm we like even? still on the first page. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but to be fair, truly not much happened so far. No. Like... So we get a little, yeah, we get the little flashback, then we get the invite. I mean, flash forward. From Quillerin's death? Oh my god, that was like 20 minutes ago. I, <laughs> I just realized that we had, we had moved past it. Yeah, we are at least past that, I think. We are past um, that. Oh, did we, did we move the past the, the phone call? Oh, I think we're at the part where yes. he, like, really begrudgingly <laughs> moves, even though, like, liter- literally everyone, so we're also past this. <laughs> <laughs> we are still past that, too. <laughs> no, I know where we are. Can I say where we are? <laughs> we were at the point where I was just about to rant about how ridiculous I thought it was when he got stuck in the elevator. <laughs> yeah because you're not supposed to jump in elevators well no okay so the way this elevator supposedly quote-unquote works Quillerin so basically Quillerin gets to this place the Casablanca immediately hates it looks like a refrigerator (laughs) instead of turning around and being like this was maybe a bad idea he ventures forth and um ends up in a building that truly is like falling apart um he gets stuck in the elevator with the cats which i a little bit of claustrophobia just kicked in and i did not enjoy that especially when so he gets in some guy is like oh you just some other tenant is like oh you jump on it that makes ever that makes it go which is a terrible idea no one should ever jump in an elevator no i actually yelled uh, this is a small aside i actually yelled at a youth in i mean he was probably like a teen but i yelled at him in the elevator just recently because he was like doing that like like i'm joke, i'm funny i'm jumping in the elevator and i just looked at him with darts in my eyes and i went that's not funny yeah (laughs) because you know what his girlfriend was like oh stop i i actually have fun fact been stuck in an elevator because a bunch of giant frat boys all thought it would be funny to try to jump at the same time and it stopped and the fire apartment had to come (laughs) are you kidding me was that in san diego no it was um in like dc ish area that is outrageous and i hate every one of those men that did that yeah i i was also cranky about it i mean everyone was like drunk and thought it was funny and then we got stuck and it was not funny anymore (laughs) no that's not funny to begin with much less ever no no. is that funny 
Okay, don't jump in elevators. Don't do what this tenant said to do. Basically, it worked for the ten- that's one tenant, and then Quillerin, it didn't work for him, and he gets stuck with the cat still in their carrier, and also his, like, turkey roaster that he uses as their litter box, which is hysterical and gross. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my God, these cats are going nuts. Franklin's, like, trying to get into the cabinet below our sink now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But so, yeah, so he gets stuck and then some disembodied voice, he's like yelling and like Coco's like screaming too. So like he can't hear the person shouting on the other side. And so the person on the other side is like, you have to climb out, which I couldn't really visualize this at all. I guess maybe the elevator just stopped, like the top of the elevator stopped so he could stand on the top of the elevator and walk out the doors, like the actual doors. Yeah, well, he got stuck in between two floors. So I think if he had gotten stuck at a floor, he probably could have just pried the doors open. But if he did that, it would have been a wall. So He I did he... do that. It was a brick wall. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he had to just like pop the top off of the elevator and someone like lowered a like rope ladder down into it. Which he also, he tied it around the cat's carrier and that person lifted the cat carrier out of the elevator that way and i was like i would have turned around immediately i would not be living in that apartment no especially because because he got stuck on the ninth floor he lives on the 13th slash 14th and all of his stuff was still downstairs i would have just been like somebody tie roped me lower me back down to my car Yes, uh, please just apparate going back to Harry Potter, just apparate me down to my car with my cats. I will see you later. You can keep all of my other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he does persist and he does end up in this apartment, which does sound pretty glamorous, but also pretty immediately Coco uh, discovers a huh? <laughs> so glamorous but full of mushrooms. Yeah, glamorous but full of mushrooms. That's right. Like he walks in and there's like art everywhere, but it's art that is like every single thing like every single piece of art involves mushrooms and knives somehow which i just love because it's so random and great uh and also Also, some oh keep going go ahead no 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 go ahead i didn't have anything else (laughs) i'm just trying to fill in because i know you're cranky (laughs) (laughs) i am cranky but i can come complain i could be like cranky about quiller and stuff because oh, i'm great. i'm gonna personally complain about something that he seemed okay with he has a swimming an empty swimming pool that's turned into a sunken living room we <laughs> 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 thought that was a good idea and that sounds awful it truly does like yeah. why do you want a giant hole in your apartment that is turned into basically like a lower level living room and also supposedly cement i mean i would guess like how is that comfortable for anyone i mean maybe they carpeted it carpeted it it, it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh yeah That's true. They don't mention that, what the, you know, what's happening on the, well, actually they do to the extent that what I was going to say a minute ago is that Coco immediately, while he also was having a fun time on, in the sunken pool living room, um, which Quillerin is calling it, calling something like ancient, like a gallery, you know, it's like, of course you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But Coco also pretty immediately finds a bloodstain on the carpet. That dun, dun, was dun. Dun, dun, dun. that was craftily hidden by a random like bar. Yeah, apparently it was super obvious though. So it's like Coco didn't even really need to do anything because apparently it was like 
like a dry bar or something that's just like those movable carts or whatever and just was placed in like a super random place in the middle of the the sunken living room yeah but like would Quillerin have ever moved that by himself no absolutely not that's true coco has to work extra hard (laughs) that is true um we haven't heard a ton from yum yum yet although yum yum was doing some like playful things i'm i think we're starting to see their personalities that like Coco is the like revered, intelligent, smart one, and Yum Yum just like plays alongside. So it's like a little bit gendered, but also like, does Yum Yum have a better life? Maybe, probably, because she's not frustrated the whole time being like, oh, Quillerin, listen to me. Yeah, for sure. So there are a lot of outings after that. So Quillerin finds the blood and then like doesn't really do anything about it per Quillerin, his usual um, sort of dilly dallying. And then there are, like, a lot of outings that he does between, like, he has a day where he goes and meets Amberina's uh, sister Mary, who is the one who's kind of orchestrated most of this. And so they have a little tete-a-tete, and Quillerin is, like, wondering if they're going to have anything romantic because they, like, maybe did before or, like, almost did before. There was actually one line that I thought was really funny that it was, like, it never had really materialized into anything except when she let her guard down one Christmas Eve and then it went on to something else. unforgettable Christmas Eve. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like, oh, what happened then? (laughs) I would also, like, it might be in another book. We don't know. It could have been, like, in a previous story. But anyway, I would also like to point out that he is still very much with Polly. Yes, he is, which is also, like, why you contemplate... truly contemplates a lot of women in this even while being like i miss polly certainly does although to be fair to him he does keep it in his pants when he gets flashed by a uh a a lady it doesn't say anything about her profession but you know that like drunken lady who comes to his doorstep and is like i'm naked look at me and he's like oh my god never mind i don't think i've got you haven't gotten chapter 10 oh it might be in chapter 10 then oh man okay well then cut that out spoilers (laughs) spoilers for next time spoilers for next time Um, if i do decide to leave that in i'm just gonna say julia has read a chapter ahead of me uh because she is tired and grumpy and also an overachiever (laughs) (laughs) tired and grumpy and didn't realize we were only reading till chapter (laughs) um yeah i also may not have been clear enough about it so that might have been my bad so yeah may or may not have been flashed at someone so okay so i was flashed by someone did you get the beautiful model yes she she wafts out of the elevator i think at one point and he come goes back to the apartment and is like cats guess what i just saw and then something happens with the cats that he immediately is oh because it's hot it's like really hot they're they're like all these like breakdowns in the apartment and so like one of the things that happens at one point is that the temperature is all fucked up. And so he comes back to the apartment and it's so hot that the cats are just like almost passed out. They're just like languishing. And he calls down and is like, what the fuck? And Mrs. Tuttle, I think is her name. The, the manager <laughs> lady is like, well, we had to turn the heat on and it blasts through your apartment and there's nothing we can do about it. And uh, so she's just like, open the windows, which he does. I'd like to rant about this for a minute because he does it. But also doesn't he does it worry and then leaves. Yes, doesn't worry that the cats could just jump out of the like thirteen story. I no what hello. Yeah, you care so much that you leave your cats in a carrier to make sure that they can't escape, and then you leave the windows open. At least explain to us that they're like high enough they can't reach them or something. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I also 
worrisome. Also caught that. Okay. Yeah. So what next? Oh, so outing. So yeah, he talks to Mary and all the benefits of like, oh no, this building actually is great. Although no one has really put it in a way that has won me over to it because I'm still like, this is a broken down place and someone else can fix it up. Quiller and you do not need to go back to Booth County. <laughs> yeah. So he meets Mary. They don't, they don't have anything. I mean, it's not like romantic at all, even though it's like hinted at. Um, yeah. What else happens? It really well, is she, like, I think she's we- the one who gives him like the profile of the building and the actual, like, I don't know who came to look at it. Some like, construction firms or some realtors or whatever but he gets the the estimate of what it would cost to completely redo the building that's right yeah and he nine figures i think he said nine figures which i is that means millions hundreds of millions oh is it yeah but oh yeah it is yeah also to be fair i so that is a horrifying number he personally seemed shocked by it but then like switched on his uh foundation brain and was like no this is normal and then i was thinking about so this this old hospital in new orleans that got Hmm. flooded and destroyed by hurricane katrina so i remember watching a documentary on it and they were talking about what it would have cost to like completely renovate and fix the whole thing versus what it would have cost to build an entirely new like state-of-the-art hospital uh-huh. Um, and it was like a fraction of the cost, even though it would have been like astronomically oh, wow. expensive to fix it. They ended up building a new hospital because money, but yeah, you know, it like the people who wanted to save the hospital were like, uh, no, it's like really expensive, but like you'd be saving so much money and business by saving. Like, nah, we'll just build a new one. Well, I mean, it makes sense that like if the structure is still there, if there are like historic parts to it, yeah. if you know, there's already like everything in place, like, yeah, exactly. that, that does make sense. So like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So I think, I mean, as like, broken down and crazy as it sounds i think that multi-million dollar investment is probably even though it sounds horrific probably the smarter choice than just like demolishing and building something new that's true it's just that quillerin has like no connection to it whatsoever i guess that no. he did live in whatever city this is before so i guess he does yeah, but have his that, like but... foundation doesn't have any connections to it yeah exactly yeah and it's interesting to I may take this out because this is kind of boring, but I mean, having worked for a lot of nonprofits, it's not like, like I get it that he, I mean, he's talked numerous times about how he's turned over his inheritance to this foundation and there's a board of directors, but then he also talks about how it's like, he's basically in charge of it, but also while like not being in charge of it. Yeah. I don't think he wants any responsibilities. He just wants to come to them and be like, fix this. And they'll be like, okay. Right. But And I guess it could kind of. (laughs) No, well, yeah, if he's not going to be a part of it. It's true. Yeah, he's totally given it away. Yeah. yeah. So it's just interesting because, like, my experience with board of directors, like, while a lot of times great is usually that it's, like, you can't just say one, say something and it happens. It's, like, you know, it goes back and forth a ton of different times. But, but, but that's boring. There doesn't seem to be, like, a ton of con of that kind of conflict in these books like everyone seems to pretty readily agree to everything that anyone suggests that's true but you know where the layered in it's so true but you know what i'm noticing too i was thinking about this also in terms of the cat who talked to ghosts is that with um adelaide so the basically the owner of the building now 
is the daughter of the former owner. Basically, it's like been in the their family. This building has been in their family for a long time. Now she's very old. She apparently was like born actually in one of the apartments. Like a midwife was there, and like she just never leaves. Yeah, I um, think her her father was the original builder. Oh, okay. That that would make sense. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting the way that like so we saw in the cat who talked to ghosts some of the like old-timey mystery that we were so annoyed with in the cat who talked to Shakespeare was salt like kind of resolved in the cat who talked to ghosts and it's always this combination because I'm now seeing it in this too with Adelaide and her family and like how they now are somehow connected to like a a, a company that is like rivaling the Klingenspun fund potentially for buying the building mm-hmm. and like there's always like a combination of like the mystery, the intrigue that's present day, and then the older, more historical mystery, too. So, like, there seems to always be, like, a little hint of that that doesn't always 100%. Like, it factors in, but it doesn't necessarily always matter in the way that makes us pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I even missed that part a little bit, because I remember... You're too busy on the flasher. I was too, yeah, I was too busy worrying about this flasher. Quillerin, get me out of here. <laughs> um, but I remember reading, reading along, and then I think he, Quillerin was talking to Arch Riker at some point. He was like, oh, something, something, and like, Mary's tied up, or like, her, she's in this family of something, of like, these new people who are trying to come in and buy the building and I was like wait when did we find that out oh yeah (laughs) yeah I remember that being like a reveal and in my head I was like that's a reveal but then I instantly also was like I'm probably not gonna remember that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I also when uh what what's the the lady's name who first called him uh Amberina Amberina I keep wanting to call her Ambrosia that's not her name (laughs) I mean, it's equally, it's up there. It's equally yeah. there with Amberina. Yeah, Amberina. When Amberina called him, she said something about, like, oh, I'm, you know, so-and-so from, like, the Three Sisters or, like, the Something Sisters. Oh, and for the some Weird reason, Sisters, because that was the, the Weird Sisters reference. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, probably because she used the word sisters, I thought that all three of those women were sisters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which right, they're right, totally right. not. No, well, we don't, because we don't, I think Mary is her sister, right? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Mary, wait, what? Mary is her sister? I think Mary is her sister, is one of the weird sisters, because the weird sisters was that, like, junk shop that they had together. Oh, and then the other one. Junk shop is, yeah. It's like an antique dealership. Yeah, I was going to say, junk. I said junk shop because they said that in the book. And then I was like, that's probably offensive to people who run antique stores. It's actually an antique store. <laughs> well, well, I think. Or like a vintage store. I feel like there's there's a difference between junk shop and antique store. I feel like they were true. probably dealing a little bit more high end. That's true because at one point he sits on an $18,000 chair. Yeah, that's <laughs> not junk. <laughs> that's true. That is truly not junk. But yeah, we haven't met the third. Okay, apparently they are all sisters. We haven't met the third one yet. Yeah, they mention her at some point, but she's somewhere else. And it might just be that she's off doing something else and we won't meet her kind of like Junior's uh, sister that Mm. we never meet. Or like Junior's like siblings that are mentioned and then are like gone (laughs) with the wind. His equestrian brother. (laughs) Yeah, his 
yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just like it. <laughs> oh my god. Can I actually talk about one of my favorite there okay, I have two favorite parts of this book so far. Mm-hmm. One of them I'm going to say we've kind of already mentioned it's the the sexy mushroom part. And I, I actually <laughs> I am holding that part in the book right now because I'm gonna read it at the end. So okay. spoiler alert. Great. Get ready for that. Perfect. Do a dramatic reading of the erotic <laughs> mushrooms. Um but the other part also involves food and it's that well, okay. No, it's actually a series of events because it starts with the fact that Quillerin comes back from one of his outings. And as he's, like, gathering all this information about the building and the, you know, whatever else, and slowly but surely finding out about the bloodstain, which we'll get to. But then... (laughs) Maybe. um, I know. Maybe. I'm going to make you explain that because I feel like I've talked a lot. Mm. Um, But he... So he goes out and comes back and realizes that he has left all of the lights turned off and they are on now, mm-hmm. which I mean, would alarm me too. I would be like, well, there's definitely someone's broken in. And like, that's always my main fear with it. Anyone breaking in is like, I don't have anything important here. Just please God, don't let my cats out. Like <laughs> close the door behind you. Take anything you want. Just leave the cats alone. Actually, if you want to feed them while like refill their water that'd be great and then you can leave yeah although Quillery got really cranky when someone came in and fed his cats well that's the thing that's what I was just gonna say is that he got super mad because he brought back this like he still is doing his thing of bringing back like fancy foods for the cats they still do not have a normal cat diet because Mm -hmm. they're eating like lobster Mm -hmm. and like crab legs and there's no linguine this time but there is a lot of other like fancy foods and he comes back and he like lays the food out for them and uh, they sniff it and walk away. And he's like, God damn it. Someone fed you. It's probably the same person who turned on the lights. And it's not because they actually find out that uh, the cats have been turning on the lights because they have little like push buttons. So the cats have been like stomping on the push buttons on lamps and things like that, which I find very wonderful mm-hmm. and hilarious. And then he also finds out that one of the maintenance guys from the, the building came in and fed the cats and he like in the same way it's almost with the same intensity that he's investigating this like murder he's like investigating also who fed his fucking cats (laughs) and he finds out that it's this maintenance guy and he's like grilling the maintenance guy and the maintenance guy is like oh yeah uh it's fine i fed them a jelly donut (laughs) not just a jelly donut a like stale jelly donut from the basement (laughs) i know and he says it in the way of being like Quillerin's like, what? And he's like, oh, don't worry. It was a stale jelly donut. And it's <laughs> like, how does that make a good better? jelly donut? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was my true favorite. I just could yeah. not even handle that. Also, the fact that a cat would eat. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Frank would uh, probably have eat you met a jelly cats? donut. <laughs> That's true. Your cats are... I, as I said that, I was like, wait. I have a trash cat. You have a trash cat. I they would eat a jelly donut. Trash cats. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I understand Quillerin's rage, but I only understand it in the sense that I too had that rage when Ari refused to eat the like can of sardines that I got for her, but I came home and she had like eaten my leftover popcorn kernels. <laughs> Gross. It's like really you're gonna eat like gross stale popcorn kernels but you're not gonna eat this delightful fish (laughs) that i bought for you that i'm obviously not gonna eat because i don't want sardines (laughs) 
No, they're truly gross. I learned that when I was luring shadow out of the depths of that garage. I even like smeared my hands in the sardine oil so that he, to try to like get him to cut because we were running out of sardines because he was eating them all. <laughs> so it's like maybe he'll just come to my hand and then my hand smelled like sardines for like a week straight. Yeah, it's great. pretty potent. Um, okay, we'll also chalk that up to another reason that you are like Quillerin. Yeah. Just going to take another <laughs> sip of my wine. Cranky about my cats. So do you want to talk about, because there is actually, we do kind of stumble upon a little bit of a mystery. Do you want to, do you want to do that? Sure. I don't know if I'm going to do it justice, but um, yeah, so we do find out, well, actually, the first, before we talk about the bloodstained mystery, the first real mystery that we run into is who the fuck is living next door who is like banging on drums all night long. Yeah. Because Quillian has true. a weird and mysterious next door neighbor. We find out. Yeah. And he thinks is in a satanic cult at one point. Yeah. Um, because there are two penthouses on the 14th, 13th slash 14th floor. And we don't meet, I don't think we meet his neighbor up to this point we don't know who it is but they do make weird noises all night long yeah and people are coming and going and um i guess we also learned too that they can't take a shower at the same time because then the water turns cold oh yeah yeah and when he called down to the front office they were like oh don't worry we don't think it's gonna be a problem so then we find out that like his next door neighbor only takes showers probably like once a week <laughs> Just in case anyone was worried about that. Just in case anyone was worried about the showering schedule, the front desk seems to think it's not a problem. <laughs> Thanks, front desk. Thanks, front desk. But yeah, so the the real mystery is so we find I think Coco finds the blood stain pretty early on, and then Quillery goes to meet with Mary and asks her about it, and she does reveal that the previous tenant was murdered in that apartment and it was, i think the previous tenant was i mean she seemed pretty youngish she was like in her 40s so it was it definitely wasn't like you know it was not in her time to go but i think she was the founder of sock yes she was yeah she was the president and founder of sock slash spew um but we also find out that she was the heir to the casablanca like she was yes. supposed to inherit the hotel once this older lady moves on and have you gotten to the chapter where quillern actually goes and meets this older lady yes i just finished that chapter yes. yeah so a little bit later on quillern actually goes and sits down and talks to this woman who's i think she's like 75 ish mid 70s yeah that sounds about right but she is obviously very sheltered because she is under the impression that this like young 40 something year old woman died of natural causes right yeah people are not being forthwith with her yeah so that's like a little mysterious in and of itself but it's like we aren't 100% sure what the actual mystery is because to our knowledge from what is divulged it is kind of a, an open closed case because the killer quote-unquote killer who i think i personally think might be you know have been framed or wrongfully accused i know i think but, he's a victim but yeah, we but, we'll but we that. but we don't know yet the killer that's true we, we don't we don't know we will we will call him the mushroom artist 
the mushroom artist the person we are told who is the killer <laughs> the person we're told who is the killer wrote like a confession and then jumped from the balcony or yeah. the window or wh- whatever so he is no longer with us the air is no longer with us and mushroom paintings abound and that's all we know well and we know that supposedly the the woman who lived diana um mm, who lived yeah. in the apartment before quiller in the penthouse apartment uh she was found in her in the penthouse and it hasn't quite i haven't gotten to any part where they suspect that it's with this japanese boning knife that is in all of the paintings but I think it's sort of starting to to go that direction yeah. um, where they are, you know, since they're already suspecting the the artist that they're starting to, you know, sort of go that direction. Um, But then there's a part, I think it was the end of chapter nine or the end of chapter eight. I got right up to chapter nine. Um, Oh, Shadow's purring. Can you hear him? I heard the jingle again. Oh, no, you heard the jingle. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, no. I truly don't know what the jingle is, but I wish you could hear him purring. Such a little cutie. Shadow. Shadow. Are you my little witch cat? Are you my witchy cat? Oh, Franklin's coming over because I think he's jealous. You want to come sit too, bud? Hi. No? Okay. Oh, you're a good boy too. I think Franklin's been bummed out that he doesn't have as much attention on him. (laughs) Oh, poor Franklin. (laughs) Sorry, Franklin. But yeah, there's a part in like what so when Quillerin is like finally starting to investigate after he's asked around, he then gets to the actual obituary of Diana and it goes through the whole you know, that's where we get the information that like of how she died, that she died in the apartment, that um this other uh you know, the artist then jumped from the balcony and then I think it's I can't remember exactly how it's relayed but at some point Quillerin even says like that he somehow knows that the reason that they think that or the the way they have that story is from Diana's business partner who who co-owns the art gallery with her mm-hmm. um and I think I wrote in the margins where are the police in this like why is there no and also why is Quillerin living in like a crime scene because I think it was the same week that because they were just putting out the obituary but yeah. it just seemed so fast. It did seem really fast. And you don't really get, we don't really get a time frame for when he moved there, but it did say it was, the murder was like over Labor Day. Oh, okay. And so it, it is about a, to snow, so it could be. Yeah, it yeah. a specific weekend, but it did seem fairly recent. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, yeah, recent enough that it's like, did they already conduct an investigation? Like, why... Is he able to live here? Yeah. I'm sending you a picture of what my bed looks like right now. I don't want to see it. I don't have a bed. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it has cats on it too. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> it's just so perfect. It's two cats conked out and the open uh, cat who book. <laughs> Good job, guys. Are you helping? I mean, they're truly not helping, but Actually, they are helping in that, like, earlier today when I first woke up and, like, before all the good stuff started happening today, I was, like, having a really rough day. And John was just like, um, do you need to hold a kitten? Because we have a kitten you can hold. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that truly does help. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, 
So Quillerin's living in an active crime scene. We don't know the time frame of it. I think that kind of is it. Like that kind of does bring us up to chapter, at least chapter nine. You can definitely talk about chapter 10. I, I truly don't mind if you want to go there, if we want to wait until next next time for that. Uh, no, we can wait until next time for that. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I can give a little bit of a spoiler, though. Something oh, that, yeah? something that happens in chapter 10. So I already spoiled the, the flasher. Oh, um, man. I, I will also spoil that there is some, uh, there's a little bit of victim blaming going on. Oh, no. With <laughs> that flasher and Quillerin and Polly. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Yeah, basically oh, Quillerin calls, calls Polly and is like, there was a flasher at my door. And she was like, well, what did you do to provoke her? <laughs> oh, God damn it. That's actually a little bit like there is that moment where that older woman, they do that. Like, I feel like it was kind of a stereotypical, like maybe 90s ish, 80s ish joke of like the old woman who always like thinks that someone's grabbing her yeah. or like thinks that someone's like. And so like Quillerin like, is like, oh, oh, God, all the time. Yeah, it just was a lot. Like, that part, I think I kind of blacked out. So I was like, I, I can't wrap my head around why this is so out of, out of date. I mean, yeah. it truly is. It's such a hard line because it's like, at the time, like, we don't know the context. Like, it, it seems extra terrible because right. of the ways. I mean, it's still truly just terrible. <laughs> baseline. <Yeah. laughs> um, oh, but God. also, yeah, it's like. Yeah. It's one of those things great. that you just have to, like read and realize how far removed it is in terms of like the culture of then versus the culture of today and you just have to like laugh about it a little bit because what else yeah i know yeah Yeah. so true um well i think that's actually kind of it so like we're at chapter on chapter nine we will bring you the rest of the book next time yeah we'll wrap up the mushrooms and the Japanese boning knife. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can think of that's important. Yeah, what else do we miss? I feel like, I mean, there were definitely times he went to the newspaper. He did a lot of, like, um, nostalgic sightseeing mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't really bear a ton of, you know, recounting. He, go, he goes to the newspaper. He goes to the press club. He meets Mary a couple times. He does meet Adelaide. Oh, maybe we could tease that, too, that he... So Adelaide, um, the old woman that old, owns the building, everyone throughout the whole book has been like, she plays bridge. Do you play bridge? No? Oh, All yeah. right, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> so... Um, he finally does it, which is weird that he like didn't know. So basically, he finds he has found a um, well, uh, not to give Quillerin the credit, Coco has found a blank Scrabble tile, like a wild card um, Scrabble tile. I believe that Yum Yum found that. Oh, Yum Yum! I'm so sorry, Yum Yum. How dare I? Gotta give her the moment, and I feel like every book she has like one moment in the sun, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "My, I don't need any more fifteen yeah. minutes of fame. I'm done. I'm going to sleep." So Quillerin, and then Coco actually, oh, so it's Coco that then finds the, like, the actual game, the Scrabble Mm -hmm. game, which is, like, a really cool bound, like, it looks like a book, it's, like, bound, um, and on the the library shelf, so he pulls that off, Quillerin starts playing it by himself, 
as if he's never played Scrabble before and is like, wow, I'm really good at this. And it's like, have you never played Scrabble before? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a writer. He should have played Scrabble before. But I will give him props yeah. for basically playing Bananagrams by himself before Bananagrams was playing. <laughs> That's true. He was very ahead of his time in that one way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, once he discovers that he has an affinity for Scrabble, then he mentions that to Adelaide when they go have their meeting and Adelaide then apparently has just filled her, her entire calendar, her days of the week with people to play bridge and Scrabble and different games with. And so when we come back next time, we will, I mean, maybe it won't be eventful, but hopefully it will be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll learn some information that we may or may not forget. Um, Do you have any theories? So, I I mean I think it seems like I don't know if it seems too like red herringy, but the the business partner seems very suspicious to me because he immediately as soon as oh so that was another thing is that Quillerin goes to the um the art gallery just to kind of surreptitiously question Diana's business partner, um and he kind of accidentally proposes that he's going to be writing a book about the Casablanca and wanting some more information and then also like lies that he he like layers lies on top of things he's like well i'm also i'm writing a book so i wanted to talk to you about that but i'm also like framing some portraits for my wall and then like it's like you only needed one lie you didn't need a bunch of lies <laughs> um he's practicing but he, yeah he's practicing but he seemed really suspicious i think the mushroom guy might be not guilty and might have been a victim as well i think the mushroom guy got framed i am personally very suspicious of that runner that quote oh shit yeah if this were my book i would make him the culprit because he's only like briefly mentioned but he does come back and he seems suspicious and he does remember quillerin when quillerin doesn't remember him and he's like kind of always around in the way that like you know, people who commit crimes sometimes are still around and are like, you know, poking in and around like, how much do you know? How much do you know? Yeah. Type thing. And then in the end, you're like, oh, it was that background guy. I didn't even yeah. think about him. That's true. It is kind of perfect because it like still satisfies that thing of like, oh, my God, someone I know did it. Yeah. But it also isn't the thing of like someone that's so obvious that you know who it is, yeah. you know? I mean, Lillian Jackson Braun likes to go with the obvious, but I would, she does. I would personally make that runner part of the scheme. I also, if this were my book, I would incorporate an element of uh, maybe maybe not poison, but some sort of like, drugging of the old lady because she seems very slow, and oh. seventy five is not that old to be like slowing down mentally that's such a great point too because I also was thinking even I hadn't put it like really together but in my mind too I was like people do like people play Scrabble Bananagram Sudoku crossword puzzles like people who do that that's supposed to help sharpen your mind so Mm -hmm. like I mean and obviously that doesn't negate any you know early onset dementia or anything that could come up but I part of me was like if she's playing these kind you know kind of like mind sharpening games so frequently why does she seem so out of it yeah Mm, that's interesting it's very interesting so i'm just i'm not saying that that's the direction lillian jackson front is going i'm just saying (laughs) those are my theories (laughs) that's what you would have done had you written this book that's what i would do 
if I oh my god we're going to write this book from chapter 10 <laughs> we're gonna end up writing like the cat who fanfic just like fervently being like this is how it should have gone it should have been it could have been so good we're gonna slowly lose our minds to these books (laughs) well can can i um do a dramatic reading of this small portion of actually maybe i should start from the whole there's a um piece in i think the fluxion the daily fluxion the Mm. newspaper that quillerin used to write for called mushroom murder has no answers Mm. so maybe i should do a dramatic reading of this at the end because this does bring us back to the erotic mushrooms sexy mushrooms the sexy mushrooms here we go okay uh mushroom murder has no answers by yelana targ which i'm interjecting here quilleran probably hates that name because he's a hypocrite he actually (laughs) did hate that name Oh, <laughs> okay perfect um okay so this is uh this is the article here there's only one topic of conversation in the galleries and studios as diane bessinger so diane started out as diane and then in some newspapers was called diana potentially we'll find out why later i'm not sure well quilleran was commenting on that and her name was spelled like three or four different times in that article and he was like wow something's going downhill but you know with the number of times that names and spellings have been mentioned in this book, it might actually mean something. Yeah, it seemed kind of questionable to me, I guess, in the way that, like, it could mean that, I don't know, I don't know what it could mean. Yeah, me neither. Because like I mentioned before, I feel like you could ask me what happens next chapter and be like, well, well I have no uh, clue. More mushrooms? <laughs> probably. Um, okay, sorry, let me, uh, I'll start from the beginning. There's only one topic of conversation in the galleries and studios as Diane Bessinger is tearfully laid to rest and the ashes of the quote-unquote mushroom painter are shipped ignominiously. Is that how you say that? Ignominiously? To his hometown. Why did he do it? What caused this talented, thoughtful artist to turn violent and commit such a heinous crime? His suicide is easier to explain. It was the only possible escape from intolerable guilt. Which we don't know that. Um... Desperate remorse must have driven him over the parapet of the Casablanca Terrace. Lady D, or Lady Di? Is it kind of like Lady Diana? I should, maybe Lady Di. Um, is like her nickname, is Diana's nickname. Mm-hmm. Lady Di was his patron, his enthusiastic press agent, his best friend, who saw merit in his work when no other gallery would take a chance on his monomania for mushrooms. This is where it gets really good. Everyone get ready. Um, I'm just going to say that again because it was so great who saw merit in his work when no other gallery would take a chance on his monomania for mushrooms. Once, when asked why he never painted broccoli or crookneck squash, Ross, the um, mushroom artist, said meekly, I haven't said all I have to say about mushrooms, which I just loved that so much. Here we go. Get ready for sexy mushrooms. Granted, mushrooms are erotic. This is literally the writer of this article. (laughs) This is not a quote anymore. <laughs> Granted, mushrooms are erotic, and he captured their mushroomness succinctly. <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah. I'll try one more time. Granted, mushrooms are erotic, and he captured their mushroomness succinctly, pairing the fleshy fungus with the razor edge knife as he did, bordered on soft porn. Diane said in an interview last June, there have been artists who painted softness, crispness, silkiness, or mistiness sublimely, but only Rasmus could paint sharpness so sharp 
but the viewer cringes. Mm-hmm. So it's a little spooky and on a spooky note there. Spooky-ish. Spooky yeah. and uh, disturbing in the mushroom erotica sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also, again, no judgment to any food fetish, anyone who finds mushrooms erotic. I, I am not. I don't want to make fun of that. Definitely. Or anyone um, whose genitalia actually does look like mushrooms. That's true. I also don't want to make fun of that. That's 100% true. I just thought that I think the, the actual humor of it comes from the fact that it's so out of left field in the middle of this it book that, you know, left field. That it just is on a day to day basis. You don't usually go to the grocery store and think like mm, mushrooms. Hey, no, yeah, and it's just so. I mean, the other books we've read so far have just been so. They've been so like country, and you know, the, everything seems to follow as you know, as much of a theme as they do. They kind of fit into. You know, even though we have like pillowcases full of duck feathers and things like that, there's stir chicken feathers. It still seems a little bit in line. This this felt so. It actually feels the same. It feels like the same kind of humor as. Um, have you guys do you watch um, Bob's Burgers at all? Oh yeah, Bob's Burgers. There is. Crazy. Oh my god, Bob's Burgers is one of my favorites. And there's an episode where Linda's sister starts painting cat buttholes just like so intensely that just they're like like everyone is just swamped in paintings of cat buttholes uh if i remember correctly it was not just cat buttholes it was like all the buttholes (laughs) oh was it it was like every it was every animal (laughs) which only makes it better it just feels like that same kind of humor um yeah okay so julia you made it through how are you feeling now are you less cranky more cranky uh you know i'm still here (laughs) (laughs) on a level of one to quillerin how cranky are you (laughs) i'm pretty close to quillerin (laughs) (laughs) yes i finally got you to admit it (laughs) 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 um okay cool well guys thank you so much for listening and for tuning in and for doing everything you've done it's been so awesome it's been like truly mind-blowing to be like this thing that we just have been doing ourselves that other people are enjoying it's been really really crazy cool so thank you it's true Um, i legitimately thought that no one would ever find this podcast um it is true julia at one point we just were getting a couple different like really sweet messages from people like truly on on point with the aesthetic like sending us things about like pictures of them listening and drinking wine with their cats and i think i you know at one point was like oh my gosh julia people are listening and they're sending us pictures of them like listening with their cats and it's so great and julia was like wait are you sure that wasn't just mom and herbert one of our (laughs) hometown pets um I was like, you have to believe it, but it is not them. I actually don't know that mom has even listened to it yet. <laughs> Does mom know what podcasts are? Um, that's an interesting question that I truly don't know the answer to. Do I know what podcasts are? <laughs> I don't know that you do. <laughs> I think you just answer this call that I send to you every week and uh, it's true. just kind of go from there. <laughs> just go from there and then people start listening and I'm like wait a second you're recording our phone calls (laughs) I had no idea I thought we were just having a book club (laughs) I mean that does sound like Um, me (laughs) I mean 
I feel like I may just be quoting you. <laughs> quoting you to you. Um, but yeah, so guys, thank you so much. That's been so, so sweet and so awesome. And just, we love it. And we love you. And we'll be back next week with the rest of the Cat Who Lived High. Um, again, you can find us on social media. Um, uh, we're on, like, all of the podcast apps now. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you can find us on almost anywhere you listen, which is really great. Um, social media. And I think that's it. Yeah. So, Julia, feel better. Oh, thanks. I rubbed my eye and now my eyeball hurts. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, what I really meant was uh, Quiller and feel better <laughs> and have a great uh, night's sleep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Bye, Quill. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>